Psalm 127, a song of ascents of Solomon. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for, for you, for your grace to us, your love, the privilege of being called your children. It is, it is a blessing, it is a privilege by faith alone in Christ. God, I thank you for your word to us this morning. I ask that you cut through the noise and the chaos in our lives, whatever we have going on in our lives, each one, that you would help us to put it aside, to hear you. You would cut through all of that Help us to understand the word that you have for us this morning, that it might be a source of both blessing and challenge, that we might grow by it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we are excited about Focus Sports Camp starting. Don't worry, don't worry. You can still sign up to coach and volunteer. Don't worry, we'll still take you. Um, to come. We have 350-something kids coming tomorrow to hear the gospel message. And what I love so much about Focus Sports Camp is that it's something that reaches out into our community. That it's not just the kids of our church that are coming, but it's the churches from all over. It's people from all over coming to this camp. So just be praying for us that we present the gospel in an amazing way. And, and today we start our summer in the book of Psalms. Over the last three years, every summer we take a break and we go through uh, the book of Psalms. We don't repeat any Psalms. So if you're like, oh man, I just love Psalm 8, amazing Psalm, you can go back and probably find um, a, a sermon on that from these last few summers. But we're kind of working our way through the psalm. I don't know if we'll ever get to do all 150 of them, but we're kind of working our way through to preach different psalms through the summer. So this summer, you're going to get a good chance to hear from all of our different pastors and, and the different people that's getting a chance to bring the word to you. So I'm excited for that. I'm excited to, to get to sit where you are and get to hear Paul and Chad and all these guys just bring the word and, and challenge us out of the book of Psalm. But today's psalm was chosen kind of as an extension onto Hebrews 13. So we just finished the book of Hebrews last week, and so this is kind of like the echoes of Hebrews coming out. You'll probably hear Hebrews all the time from, for the next year because it's still just all bouncing around up in there uh, for me, but this is kind of an extension on it today, and, and you might be a little bit worried because there's only five verses. Like, we usually do like a chapter in there, right? But we're going to bring a lot of scripture into it because we're talking today about what it means to build a Christian home, what it means for our home to be somewhere that is a pleasant place where people will experience Jesus and that. So we pick up in Psalm 127. At the very top, we have this kind of header on the psalm. Something that's interesting about psalms is it usually tells you who wrote it. It tells you maybe a little bit of the background of when it was written as well. And so we see here in Psalm 127, it's a song of ascents of Solomon. 
So what a song of ascent was, where there's a set of like 15 songs, it's Psalms 120 to about 134, that give you these songs of ascent that were being sung by the Israelites and their families as they ascended the hill. Remember, Jerusalem, the city on a hill. So as they would go up to Jerusalem to, to celebrate the festivals like Passover and, and Days of Atonement, that they would bring their family as they were going up the hill from the valley, the Mount of Olives, and going down and then begin to go up, they would sing these songs. So imagine the Jewish families as they're traveling up, looking up at the temple on the horizon, they're walking up and they're singing these songs. Now, I, I can't sing or else I'd make up a tune and like try to sing it for you. So you just got to imagine this is a song that a family is singing as they go up to worship God. This is the song of ascent, and there's 15 different ones that you can, you can read and see. This is what they would have been singing as they go along. It's kind of like we would hum these different songs or things that we hear on the radio on Caleb a hundred different times in the same week. But you have those songs that you kind of stuck in your head. These songs of ascent were meant to be that. Praise God. So can you imagine singing this song about how if the Lord doesn't build, the family is built in vain with your family as you're heading up that mount. To worship the Lord. So that's kind of the setting for what these songs were designed for. And this is a kind of a rare. Four of the Song of Ascents are written by David. One's by Solomon. The other ten are kind of anonymous for C. But this is one written by Solomon. Who's Solomon? David's son, right? He, he's, he's the son of David and Bathsheba, right? He was the one known for what? Wisdom, right? In fact, let's go back. Look back at 1 Kings uh, chapter 3, we should almost always, when you think about Solomon, kind of remember um, this story. This is 1 Kings chapter 3. And, and listen to this story, and I want to ask you what you would do. Um, At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, ask what I shall give to you. So if God came up to you and said, Ryan, I'll give you anything you want, what do you want? Probably not wisdom, Right? A credit card enough to pay off. Um, unlimited. I mean, what would you ask for? Well, if God really said, BJ, whatever you ask for, I will give to you. Have you thought about that? What would you ask for? Now, flashback when you were a kid. Because right? Solomon is a child here. right? And, and flashback, what would you ask for? Ice cream forever. A jello pool. Basically everything from clouding a chance of meatballs. Right, I want it to rain food. Right, I want I, that. That's what you. Would ask, I want mass, That's what you would ask for as a kid. But look how Solomon answers and the maturity that's been poured into Solomon already. It says, and Solomon said, "You have shown great." Solomon's answer to God: "You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and in uprightness of heart towards you, and you have kept him this great and steadfast love." And have given him a son to sit on the throne this day. And now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father, although I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or to come in. And, but your, and your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Like the, Do you see the weight of responsibility Solomon's feeling? And then he says this, give your servant... Therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I might discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people? And it pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. Whew, this should be a prayer of every leader, shouldn't it? 
That I pray this prayer all the time. Lord, give us discernment. Give us wisdom to choose what is good, what is evil, to make the right choices for our church family. As we, we try to lead people towards you, Lord, we need your discernment. What a prayer. This is the author of the psalm that we're looking at today. And he's the author of a couple other books, like the book of Proverbs. We're going to have several different quotes out of the book of Proverbs. And, and Ecclesiastes, let me sum up Ecclesiastes for you. Everything is vanity. Everything is in vain, right? And you see sort of the echoes of that in here. Because look what it says in verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Whew. Unless the Lord is the architect of your home, you're laboring in vain. You're running on a treadmill. You're the hamster in the ball. Unless the Lord is the one architecting all of this, we're spinning our wheels. So how... Do we do that? Solomon actually expands on this. If you go to Proverbs uh, chapter 24, because remember, Proverbs, a lot of that was written by Solomon as well. It says this in verse 3 of chapter 24. By wisdom, a house is built. You see the connection. Wisdom, something Solomon asked for, building of the house. Right? Don't you want the designer of your house to be wise? You don't want to get the designer of your house and go, um, the side of this house has no foundation. Oh, it'll be fine. No, you want wisdom with that architect. So by wisdom, a house is built, and by understanding, it is established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled, and with all precious and pleasant riches. A wise man is full of strength, and a man of knowledge enhances his might. This idea of wisdom, that knowledge and experience mixed together, it becomes this wisdom that we have in God. And so how can we, as believers of Christ, build a Christian home. Now listen, you might be thinking, wait, I don't have any kids at home. It's okay. You can still build a Christian, Christian atmosphere in your home. You might be a grandparent and you get to have the grandkids every once in a while. Have you built a safe place where Jesus is made much of? Do you teach in the kids area where we want every kid's room to be a house built on the foundation of the Lord? That's what we're going to study is how do we create a home that is that way. And I read this quote this week. It was from a website called For the Family. As I was reading about um, all these different Christian um, things, it's fire. It is fire. Here's what this quote it says. A Christian home is never defined by what the children are doing. It is defined by what the parents are doing. Woo! Yeah, that, that's like a, that's a snap. Somewhere over there, right? That's a snap, right? That's a mic drop, right? Think about this. When we think of building a Christian home, we're thinking, what can we make our kids do? What can we have? No, it's what are you as parents doing? How is your relationship with the Lord being just poured over, the overflow of your heart flowing into your kids' lives? Whew. So that means if you want to build a Christian home, it's on me. And this week I've been kind of reflecting back to what kind of home did my kids grow up in. And it's one of those homes that's been developing into a Christian home. Um, when, have you ever thought about, when, you're, when you think back to your kids, I don't know if you have older kids or not, what, what age do you picture them? Like, like here's a picture of my family. This is kind of the age I picture my kids at, right? Aren't we so look, don't we look so put together, right? Don't we look like just like that, that good, wholesome family? Like, I don't have any gray hair yet. Because they haven't grown up yet. Um, yeah, aren't we so cute? Here's another one of us just looking all put together. Tara looks the same. <laughs> and, uh, I don't look the same. But, you know, as, as you get older, the lens adds pounds. That's what I say. Um, 
But no, here's the, but then they grow up, right? They get bigger, right? And all of a sudden, they, they, they start growing up, and you start going on trips. By the way, this is not the J.C. Penney's background behind us in this picture. This is actually the place we were up in, I think, in New Hampshire when we took this picture, right? But they're kind of, I got my coach's stuff on still, hat backwards, right? But then as they get older, we go on mission. Like, here's a picture of us in Romania. This is probably more like what we're really like. We're not that, like, put together, smile all the time family, right? We're a little goofy. We're a little weird. I'm trying to do the lit symbol and doing it all wrong. You remember lit? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, Dad, what are you doing? This way. Um, but we, we did a Texas night in Romania. And we took our kids with us on mission, getting, them, getting uh, Brandon and Becky George and the Ebel settled in on mission together. Here's another picture. This is Germany when we went on mission with baseball camp and, and doing different things. And they just keep growing. They keep getting bigger. It's crazy. Don't we wish we could just keep them in like teacup kid size? Just cute all the time. And once we actually figure it all out, then we get to do it right. And then we get to age them up in that way. It doesn't work. Here we are flamingoing through Europe. We had to take a picture of everywhere we went like this, right? This is, this is family, right? And I was just thinking back this week about what was it like in our home? Did I create an atmosphere that helped them grow in the walk with Christ? And there was areas that I was like, yes, I did great. There's areas of like, ooh, should have done better in that. So this is the Lord's sermon to me this week of like, how can I do better as a parent in these ways? And here's the first thing. If you want to have a Christian home, here's the first thing the Lord really impressed on me that I needed to make, a, make happen even more in my home is your home, a home that chooses the Lord. Do you choose the Lord? I mean, daily, weekly, yearly, like, do you wake up in the morning and say, today, and me and my house, we're going to choose the Lord? Why would I say that? Because you remember Joshua, right? Remember Joshua, the, the Israelites had come out of, of Egypt, they got there, Joshua conquered the land, and at the very end of his book, in chapter 24 of Joshua, he gives a command to the people. Here's what he says. He says, now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt. Remember all those gods we had during the Exodus series? Hammett and, and Osiris and all these different gods where God just crushed them with the plagues. He's like, oh, you're the God of water? Turn it to blood. Oh, you're the God of the storms? Here's hail falling out of heaven, right? It, God just crushed all of them. But yet, the whole time of the, of the Exodus, they kept going, why don't we go back to Egypt? We had food in Egypt. Yeah, you were being enslaved there as well, right? God has a better plan for you. He's like, don't go back to that old life. For us today, don't go back to who you were before Christ. Forgetting what's behind, pressing on towards what's ahead. Right? And so he continues. He says, and if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day he will serve. Whether the gods of your fathers that they served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So do we choose day by day to serve the Lord? Do your kids see evidence of you reading the Bible every day? Do, the, do your kids, do the people that you're around, do they hear evidence, the, the fruitfulness of your lips proclaiming who Christ is? Remember our challenge from Hebrews 13 last week. And this is verse 15. It says, through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Is Jesus acknowledged in your home? Or do we turn to the gods of this land? Do we turn to the idols of fame and the, the temptations of the world here? 
Or do we say, no, no, as for me and my house, we're going to choose day by day to worship the Lord. What about every week? Do you choose to prioritize God every week? What does that look like? Do you make church a priority for them? Do you make path group a priority? What does your week look like when you're deciding on, on what to do that week? How do you involve the Lord in that process? What does family devotional look like for you? What does it look like when you get in your home and you have a night? Do you say, hey, let's get together and let's do this read aloud. Let's get together and let's do this thing together. And one of the things that my wife was amazing at this, I cannot take any credit for this because I'm, I'm teaching and I'm coaching and then I use that as an excuse to not always step up in my house. So um, I come home and Tara's like, we should read tonight. And we had all these, my kids love to listen to books now because as kids, we just totally read books all the time. Uh, have you heard of YWAM, Youth with a Mission? They have an amazing series of kids' books talking about missionaries all around the world. And I'm sorry for the super pixelated picture. It looked better on my computer than it did on that 17-foot screen. But um, Gladys Allward, have you heard of Gladys Allward? This, this incredible woman who went to China and the foot binding that was happening, and all these horrific things that were happening to, to girls in China, she went in with the hope of the Lord and changed regions for Jesus. Or, or George Mueller, have you heard of him? Where he called everything twaddle. And he just would constantly live open-handed, give it away. He had an orphanage, and like one day they have no food, and he's like, Lord, you'll have to be the one to provide. We have no food. Bread truck breaks down. Milk truck breaks down right in front of the orphanage. Well, I guess I can't deliver this stuff. Do you all want it? Absolutely. Man, faith. Just this incredible faith in the Lord. Man, I, I think of George Mueller at, all the time. I'm like, oh, man, do I have the faith of George Mueller? There's all these incredible stories. Corey Ten Boom. Incredible woman of God that in the midst of just horrific circumstances chose to say, Lord, thank you for the fleas. Because I could talk about Jesus in here. The guards won't come in because of the fleas. Have you ever thanked the Lord for fleas? Or lice? Lord, thank you for this lice. Because I have it, I can use this as an opportunity to talk about Jesus. Woo! Man, talk about inspiration. These books are amazing. You might think, well, my kids are older. Here's an amazing book, Seeking Allah. Finding Jesus. If you haven't read this book, you need to read it this summer, right? About a man who is in a Muslim family and, and just loves Allah and has devoted his life to Allah, but all of a sudden starts finding a friend who knows Jesus, and his friend just keeps talking to him about Jesus, and he's like, oh no, is Allah the real God or is Jesus the real God? And he comes to like, Obviously, Jesus is the real God, and it goes through this incredible just journey of him um, just seeing Jesus as a true God, but he still can't choose Jesus because he'll lose his family. He'll lose everything. Is Jesus worth it? And he finally has to jump all in and choose Jesus. It's an incredible story of God's faithfulness, of the faithfulness of a friend. Do your kids get to hear these stories? Do you get to hear these stories and have these conversations? Man, weekly, spending that time together as a family Worshiping the Lord. Year by year, making goals about how you're going to read the Bible together or what you're going to study. Have you made Jesus a priority in your life? That's the challenge. Because listen, your kids will prioritize what you prioritize. The kids are going to learn what's important to you becomes important to them. Do you want your kids to follow that example? Here's a simple test for you. When you go home today, try to simplify like, for example, how many of us in our closet have too many clothes? Anybody? Anybody out there with me? Okay. Go home and try to get rid of, like, 20 outfits when you get home. Uh-huh. You're going to get, I, oh, I love this shirt. It's just so fun. It doesn't fit anymore. 
right? It's a medium or schmedium, but, but, but I just love it. And, and we, we, we have all these things that we, have you noticed we wear the same things all the time? You notice with me, because I'm up here all the time, I'm like, oh, there's that black shirt with stripes on it again, always up here, right? Because we just like the same things. We just, we just do. Do I need 35 shirts when I'm going to wear the same six all the time? But it's hard to simplify. Do this with your schedule. Next week, clear time to be with Jesus. But, but, but then I can't do this. Yeah? You got to choose this day who you're going to serve. Are we going to choose to serve the Lord? Or we're going to choose to serve ourselves. Woo! That's a tough one, right? Here, here's another thing. Build your home on precepts found in the word of God. That if you want to build a Christian home, build it on the precepts that are in this book, right? This was the, the, the call that Moses gave them in Deuteronomy chapter 9, right? This is called uh, the Shema. It's one of the great passages um, in the word. And, and let's read it a little, real quick and just see. Again, Joshua said, when you go into the land, choose who you're going to serve. And this is the instructions Moses gives them for how they're supposed to live as a family. He says, now this is the commandment and the statute and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land which you're going to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, that you're to teach them about the Lord and change your generations. Maybe you're a first-generation Christian in your family. But you could change the future for the generations after you based upon your faithfulness. It says, and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in the land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Woo. We're supposed to pass down these things to them. It says, and, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house. Family devotional right there. And when you walk by the way, when you're traveling, are you redeeming that time with the Lord. And when you lie down, when you, go, when you put your kids to bed at night, are you spending time with that? Husband and wife, when you lay down together at night, are you praising the Lord? Are you praying together? Are you encouraging one another? Right? And when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be frontlets between your eyes. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, that when people walk into your home, do they know you love Jesus? That doesn't mean that you have to have a cross wall. But that there's an attitude in your home. This is one reason that I love path groups so much. Because we get to meet in one another's homes and you learn so much about people and what they prioritize when you go into their home. And I just think it's something that's a beautiful thing that when we get to meet together in those things, are we prioritizing the word of God and his precepts for us? Like, for example, do you remember in Hebrews 12 what that lesson was about? Discipline. How the Lord disciplines his children. And how he calls us to discipline our children as well. These are the precepts and these are the commandments of the Lord that he puts before us. Are we ready to live them? Are we re ready to do the hard things that we need to do? Here's the third thing. Put your faith into action. Oh, there goes those notes. All right. All right. Put your faith into action. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks for putting your faith into action there. No. Um, 
Have we, how do we put our faith into action? How do we let our kids see our love for Jesus? Here's one way. Practice hospitality. Practice hospitality. Right? Let your kids see you using your resources, using your time for the glory of the Lord. Be in hospital. Why is it important for us to show hospitality? Because if you remember in Hebrews 13, we got a warning. We got a lot of warnings throughout the book of Hebrews, if you remember. One of them was this. Um, it was keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. We can confidently say the Lord is my helper. I shall not fear what can man do to me. How do your kids see that play out in your life? Do they see you being open-handed with your things? Now, listen, I come from a home where it was just Smith versus the world. It was me and my sister and my parents, and we were just, we were one family. We didn't have people over. We didn't, there's a lot of reasons and circumstances for that, but we just didn't have anybody over. And I married a person who has never met a stranger, who is the extrovert of extroverts. I'm like, oh, you need a place to stay? Come on over. We got a room open. What's your name again? Like, we, just like... It, she's just like so open-handed, giving anything all the time, right? And there's this collision that happens in a family where one family culture meets another family culture and it becomes your own family culture. You become one. And like, man, that's an amazing culture. I need to be more that way. And I've had to learn hospitality from my wife because I don't mind isolating. You've heard us probably say before, Smiths versus the world, right? But we want to be open-handed. Maybe one Christmas we decided, hey, Kids, you're not getting any presents this year. They did not like that, right? But we're going to buy presents for another family and deliver it to them. That, that was our Christmas that year. It's like almost like we wanted to make Christmas about Jesus or something. It's crazy, right? It's weird, right, to say, well, you, I'm not going to get gifts this year? No. But I deserve them. Anyway, that's a whole other sermon for another time, okay? <laughs> we'll get into that one later, right? But, but the, your kids need to see your faith. Here's the second tip. Live with hospitality, but also let others see you're wrestling with the faith. I think we have an idea in our mind that we want to shelter our kids from everything, even from our own struggles and our own wrestling with the Bible, and that's not right. I don't know if you heard the stat before that um, when, when Christian kids get to college, 88% of them leave the faith. Have you heard that stat before? That, that's a stat from, by the way, 2002. And that's a stat that has no depth to it, right? You give me a set of numbers, I can make it say about anything I want to say, right? But what happened is in that, since that time, 2002, they've been studying this phenomenon of why do kids, when they get to college, begin to stray from the faith, right? And they actually interviewed about 9,000 of these kids who checked that box and said they've left their faith in college. And here's two of the answers that they gave for why they left. Here's one of them. It says, they leave because they never had a faith of their own. They did a lot but they never made their faith their own. And it's because they said, um, we, we, just, we just don't see it. We, we, don't, we came into these contact with these beliefs that didn't seem to fit with the Bible. We've never heard those things before. Have your kids never heard of some of these tough issues in the Bible until they get to college, and now they have no underlying foundation from you to work through them? You see, if they see you struggling and work it through it and come in on the other side with faith, they'll learn how to struggle through their, their doubts and their, or those things and be able to come out on the other side. Because listen, there's tough things in the Bible. Why do we not want to show people our struggles? Is it pride? Is it that if we're honest, we don't want to face those struggles? Like how many times have you apologized for God? 
Well, I'm so, I'm so sorry God made that rule. We don't have to apologize for God. We don't have to apologize for God's design for things. We don't have to apologize for the things that are written in this book. You realize that, right? That Jesus is the one that is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. We're the wavering ones. We're the shaky ones. That I, I know there's things in this book that we talk about that the world out there doesn't like, that they don't want to hear. That doesn't mean that we change our message. This is the truth. We build our life on the truth, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's not popular. Are you going to build your home on the truth? Or are you going to build it on the sand? That doesn't go well. So we got to build it on the truth. Here's the second thing they said. They leave the faith because it's not working for them. It's not working for them. What does that mean? That maybe we haven't presented the gospel well. That, that the gospel message is that we're sinners and that we need the grace and the love of Jesus Christ to be saved. And then because of what he did on the cross, we now get to go to heaven. He's not, he didn't die to make us happy all the time, but we can still find joy in our trials. That the gospel message is what Jesus has done and that by, by grace, through faith, we can have a relationship with him. It's a gift of God so that no one can boast. If we don't present the gospel clearly, people think, well, I'm going to accept Jesus because it's going to solve all my problems. Jesus is not going to solve all your problems. He's going to walk with you through this valley of the shadow of death. He's going to walk through those things with you. Right? And, and here's why. Here's why kids think that Christianity doesn't work. Because we live in a highlight culture. Like if I were to pull up some people's um, like Facebook page or their MySpace page, and I'm just kidding. That doesn't exist anymore. Insta, TikTok, right? They just see highlights. Like I watch Steph Curry highlights. He never misses a shot. He's never missed a shot in his entire life. I watch the highlights. Is that representative of the whole game? I mean, if Steph Curry shot 50% from the three-point line, that would be amazing. That means he missed every other shot. Or in baseball, if you hit 300, you are like amazing. Three out of 10, that doesn't seem very good. But in baseball, that's amazing. But we live in a highlight culture where we put up in front of everybody this amazing face and all this stuff is going well, and we don't talk about our struggles. We don't make it real for them. This is why in our homes, this is why in our church family, we've got to be real. We've got to understand that we don't always do things right. We need, we need, I need the love of Jesus as much as anybody else needs the love of Jesus in this room. And our city needs the love of Jesus. Look what he says next, right? He talks about the home first, but then he talks about the city, the culture around us. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. The watchman on the city wall. Guys, there's an army coming. Unless the Lord is their protector, it doesn't matter. A watchman, we're supposed to be watchful. We're supposed to love our community, but we've got to bring the Lord with us. He's got to be in the middle of it. We have Focus Sports Camp coming. Amazing. Let's pray that it impacts our community. Let's pray that what we say impacts the homes of these kids, that they'll understand something about Jesus and they'll take it home with them. Can you imagine eternity is being changed because we run around chasing soccer balls? That'd be amazing. That's what we're hoping to do this next week. Will you pray with me for a second? Let's pray we're focused once again. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity we have this next week to bring the gospel message, Lord, to these amazing kids. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to bring it with grace and truth that will show the love of Christ, even in the heat, even in the rain if it rains, Lord, even in the midst of, of chaos, Lord, that we'll bring a peace to it all so we could be a representation of you.
to these kids, and we pray that they'll change their life and family because of what they hear at Focus Sports Camp. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, let's go to verse 3, or verse 2. It says, It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Woo! Have you ever read a verse that kind of slaps you in the face? Like, man, that verse is in the Bible, right? I need to slow down. Yes. Yeah, so here's what the Lord's taught me this week that I get to share with you, right? Because I don't know about you. I can run at a pretty fast speed for a long time, right? I, I, don't, I don't need a lot of sleep, but that's not always healthy for my soul. And here's one of the things the Lord asked me this week. Does the rhythm of your life honor God? Ooh. Does the rhythm of your life honor God? Right? And here's a couple of things he told me this week. Number one, we need to find rest. We need to find rest in um, daily, weekly, yearly. We need to find rest. How do you find rest on a day-to-day basis? Like this week, one of the things that after reading this I practiced, I went and sat on the porch this week. I was like, you know what? Towards sunset, I'm just going to sit on the porch. I'm just going to. And one day it was amazing. There's this cool breeze. And then yesterday it was like sweat. You know, like I'm on the porch like, <sighs> Okay. But there's like deer running around in our neighborhood. There's like cardinals that fly by, right? It was this beautiful time, but it was like, I've got to take that time. So anyway, did Jesus do that? Did Jesus take time away for himself and to rest? All the time. In fact, in Mark chapter 6 is a time where the disciples had just come back. He had just sent them out, and they just came back. And here's what he says to them. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest for a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in a boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now, the crowd found them. They chased after them. Jesus fed the 5,000 right after this. But the reason that they were on the hill to feed the 5,000 was they, they got away to get, get alone and to rest. Jesus all the time would leave and go out to a desolate place to be with his father. We have to find rest. How do you do that daily? Creating space, whether it's 15 minutes or 30 minutes to enjoy the Lord. What about weekly? What does Sabbath look like for you? How do you schedule in during the week time to do things that bring you closer to the Lord? What about yearly? How do you plan your vacations in order to honor the Lord? Like I was asking Kale yesterday. Uh, we had a chance to move someone yesterday, and, and Kale being a PK, you know, pastor's kid, he got to come along uh, to help move. We had an amazing team, by the way. It was awesome. But um, we, ha- we were sitting down at Chick-fil-A. I said, what did you enjoy about childhood? And you know what he said? Road trips. He loved road trips because we would go on road trips around to see different sites, but we'd always have a book. One, one year it was Pilgrim's Progress that we listened to. We always had this book, and we went into, drove into Las Vegas just as we were talking about Vanity Fair and just the, the City of Sin, which is God's timing on that book. Um, here's another book that we read. Um, if you haven't read this book, you should read this book. It's amazing, Running for My Life. Amazing book, right? This book makes me want to foster and makes me want to, like, adopt kids because this is a, a story about a man who was a, one of the lost boys of Sudan, Right? And all the unrest in that country. And, and he became a fast runner because they had to run around the camp. Whoever got back first got to play football, got to play soccer. So he learned how to run. And, and they're eating food out of the trap. I mean, it's just an incredible story and got adopted and brought to the United States and ended up being an, an American Olympian in long distance running because of this amazing story. I mean, read it, it'll just grip you and be like, man, I'm going to. 
do this, right? It's this incredible story that disturbs your soul. And we listened to it on this, this trip around, um, getting to see that and, and have this time of the story time together. Are you using your time, even on vacation, for the glory of the Lord? Here's the second thing that God taught me this week. Find rest. And number two, and he used Paul, Valdez, to teach this to me this week. Be present in the present. Be present in the present. How distracted are we? How many things do we miss? Like, for example, how, how would it have been if I went and sat on the front porch and just pulled out my phone? I would have missed it. I would have just been out there sweating, right? So I had to set my phone aside. I had to look around, look at the trees, look at creation, look at my neighbor's house, which is right there, right? Um, just getting outside and enjoying the Lord. Are you present? Because, listen, distractions aren't the only thing that pulls away. Many times in the present, we're regretting the past. The things that have already happened still have a hold of us. They still grip us. Or we have stress and anxiety for what's in the future. We're worried about how this thing's going to go or that thing's going to go. Anybody feel me on that one? I, I, I've been in this position. But the present is this very thin line that even what I just said is in the past. Are you present in the here and the now, to notice the things that God's doing all around you. That's a challenge the Lord has given me and what I want to encourage you with. Because it says this, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb are reward. That we have to understand that children, this people, disciples, they are a gift from the Lord. Don't idolize them. They're a gift. Love them. Cherish them, but don't make them an idol. Because listen, we said this earlier. What you prioritize, your kids will prioritize, right? If you prioritize your kids above everything else, they're going to prioritize themselves over everything else. And you're going to create a narcissist. You're going to create someone who doesn't even notice people around them. You have to teach your kids, I have to teach my kids how to honor the Lord, how to submit to the Lord. What does the Bible say? Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, and it'll go well for you. Right? We see these verses in the Bible that teach us about teaching our kids how to submit, to honor, to respect, to do these things, and it starts in your home. With them learning how to, how are they ever going to submit to the Lord if they can't submit to you? Is that hard? Amen. Okay? That is hard to have that sort of expectation for them. I heard this, quote this, I don't know where I read this, but I think it was an audio book I was listening to. It might have been Dallas Willard, but he said this, like, we need to focus more on theology and less on meology. Right? I thought it was cute. Right? We need to focus more on the Lord and less on what is good for me and what I want in there. So that was just a, a very wise statement that we missed. All right, let's finish out with these last verses, okay? It says, like the arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Woo! Did you hear it? Parents, our job is to send out our kids. Now, we have to someday send them out into the world. Are you preparing them to fly well? Uh, it says here, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. Don't be afraid to have kids. They're amazing. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks or speaks with his enemies in the gate. Like, here's my quiver. Right, this is, these are my four quivers fixing to show up on the screen, all right? They're amazing, right? These are the ones, they're 21, 22, 24, 25, the ones that I have to send out, right? And guess what? Other arrows start coming into your quiver. 
there's a new really tall one, right? <laughs> Marriage happens next Sunday, right? And this tall drink of water, yeah, you can clap for him. He's amazing, right? But here comes this 6'5 arrow into the quiver. And they're going to move to Houston in not too long. In order to go, he's going to seminary and doing all these incredible things. But I've got to send them out, right? One of those arrows flew all the way to Thailand. She flew back. She's going to be here, right? Um, but she flew out of Thailand. One flew to College Station. One flies into Austin. I mean, we are sending our kids out to be a light to the world. You're preparing your kids to be the light of the world. The hope of the world in our children. Even the world out there believes that. The hope of Jesus and the gospel message going out, it doesn't end with us. We're preparing our children to be sent out to be that light to the world. You can either see that as a huge weight or you can see it as an opportunity. I pray that you see parenting, I see discipleship, teaching in kids, teaching in focus as an opportunity to create a world of missionaries to go out and change the world for Jesus. That's our call, to honor them, to protect them, to lead them towards the one true God, which is Jesus. I want to end you in with this verse. It says Proverbs 1, verses 8 and 9. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. For there a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. That parents, what we're doing is we're creating a garland of grace for them to send them out into the world. We're creating something that sets them apart so that people will see the love through our teaching and through our instruction. Don't grow weary of doing good. Let's stir each other on to do good works, right? Let's pray. Well, I thank you so much for your word and the encouragement that it is to us uh, to lead the next generation to you, Lord, whether it's in our own home with our kids, or Lord, whether it's our grandkids, or whether it's kids that we minister to in kids' ministry or youth ministry, Lord, I pray that we will stir them on to be the light of the world. So I thank you for this encouragement from Psalm 127 and how it can spur us on. Um, help us, Lord, this week as we uh, go to Focus Sports Camp to honor you, to love you, to show them the love of Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Chris. Church, I have a couple of announcements before you make your way out. I just want to encourage you to grab a bulletin if you haven't because there's a QR code there. If you scan it with your phone, it will take you to our link tree, which has all kinds of information. Specifically, two things I wanted to mention was for the summer, we have calendars available for children's ministry gatherings that they're going to be having throughout the summer, as well as those uh, for refuge. So scan that, and you'll be able to see those events. The other thing that's coming up next Saturday is our Phoenix Blood Drive, and that's going to take place right outside uh, of the building. They have a, a mobile unit there. As of this morning, there were 18 spots available. We would love for y'all to sign up and give some blood and uh, help those that are in need in the community. This is the closing verse for us as you make your way out. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 says, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. If you would like us to pray with you as you've been thinking about what Pastor Chris shared with you this morning, We'll be available here up front. Chris will be here. I'll be here. We just love uh, to pray with you. Um, and other than that, y'all go and have a blessed Sunday.